welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. On this episode, part two of our collaborative conversation with Weston Manders. Weston is an Atlanta-based filmmaker who I've had the fortune of knowing for some time. He's also the first artist with whom we are exploring this co-creation process here at AIJCast. So on this episode, imagining and brainstorming. We pick up where our first conversation on inspiration and urgency left off as we dream together what we could create using those sources of inspiration as a jumping off point. Our conversation ranges all over the place as we search for possibilities, ones that we will take into the next step of our collaboration as we make art together. There's a beautiful kind of chaos in the conversation, one which I hope you enjoy as we invite you to eavesdrop on this creative process. By the way, as a heads up, we do talk about the violent history of America, particularly as it relates to the treatment of black folk in the South. So please do keep that in mind. Weston and I sat down once again in the AIJ cast studio. Weston, we're back after talking earlier. And there were two things that we talked about, and I feel like there was a lot of overlap between them. And I want to kind of just recap and see if it resonates with you. So one was we talked about like what was inspiring you. You talked about people in your life, particularly talking about your wife, who support you and how much that means in terms of just the ability to excel and to produce and succeed, whatever success looks like. And the other was talking about, you know, these intractable social issues that we have and what can we do, particularly if, you know, we're not particularly well versed in them. This idea of like, well, maybe what we can do is we just do what we do. We chip away at it, like this work that you and I have been doing in the political sphere and so on. And those to me both kind of speak to that point of, I'm going to get theological here, biblical a little bit, talk about the cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by all of these people, visible and invisible, who support us in the life of faith. And I think that parallels with what we're talking about, that there are all these unseen forces in our lives that are there to help us succeed. And there are invisible forces that are there that can help keep us down. Does that resonate with you kind of as a good summary of what we talked about? Yeah, I think that on the surface, the first knee jerk when you say like, what's inspiring yeah. me, I think I obviously try to remember what are the last few things that I've watched yeah. and listened to and... Yeah. But even if I'm watching something or listening to something, I do feel like I'm trying to personalize it. And maybe what I mean even in that is that I'm trying to make it like a person, like somebody that I am Mm. or somebody that I know. Mm. And so the things that are inspiring me or the things I'm drawing from have kind of always been individuals in my real life everyday sphere and the sort of media that I'm consuming or the text that I'm picking up or glancing right past or, you know, whatever I'm ingesting. So, yeah, I think that that still tracks right now. I still feel like what's inspiring me, some character portrayal in, in the movie adaptation, right. Watching Nick Cage, watching all those folks, but in the same day, yeah, my wife and I had a conversation and probably that has given me energy up until now. So yes, I think that I've always been fueled and inspired by the folks in my sphere and the fictional folks that I've always aspired 
to be and to be around. I had this acknowledgement recently, which is that a lot of my heroes are fictional characters. A lot of the things I thought I wanted to emulate only last for two hours or only last for (laughs) a few hundred pages. And so I'm learning to let go of partial portrayals Mm -hmm. of these things that I wanted to be. I wanted to be like a Jack Kerouac character. Right. Because I didn't know about Jack Kerouac's life. I didn't do any research. I just read on the road and I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. And that has a final page. Yeah. And similarly, you know, wanting to be, when I was a kid, I really just wanted to be like a James Dean character. Yeah. And the mythos of a James... I didn't know anything about James right, Dean. Right, 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 right. The actor. actor playing things on the screen, yeah. Yeah, I just saw those characters, and I knew the sort of the aura and the, and right. the sort of legend around those type folks. And I'm recognizing now that those are incomplete examples. What I'm trying to do moving forward is find my inspiration and my fuel where it actually has always been, which is around fully fleshed out mm. folks in my field of vision and it's working. Yeah. And it also is sort of a truth is stranger than fiction thing. It's like, I don't always have to look to poetry to find the most poetic way to do something. Yeah. I can sit and listen to my grandpa talk and find poetry in that. And then in turn, let that help me figure out a next step, even if it's not so clearly and, and linearly connected the first and the second thing. There's also this awareness for me of how there are systems in place that depending on the identities we inhabit, I mean, you and I are both very aware of our presence as cishet white dudes in the South, right? Like what does it mean to be white in the South, white in the United States, white in this world? That means that there are those invisible things that hold us up that benefit us in ways that we are never, ever aware of until we start digging. And to be a black dude in the South, there are the invisible things that you are probably more aware of that are holding you down than are holding you up. And so that to me is also part of that story of being held up and holding that intention, right? Like on the one hand, being grateful for those things, those people, those relationships that hold us aloft while being aware of these things that are just bottom line unfair, right? In the way that society works. I mean, even the difference between you being born in Southern Georgia, me being born in Atlanta, like there's a privilege that I inhabit with that. That's different from what you inhabit. Right. So, yeah. So that to me is also kind of part of that fabric, that taste of being supported. Absolutely. And I also think that I try to personalize stuff Yeah, at its worst. It's, ego and sort of self-involvement and i think at its best it's empathy yeah and then most of the time it's somewhere in the middle and it's both (laughs) but just recently i went to where i was born in south georgia Mm -hmm. and i took an avoid highways route on the map and added a you know an extra hour or so there and back and i was pulling off on dirt roads and letting the dog out and peeing in the ditch and stopping and taking pictures of abandoned gas stations. And just to make sure you have a dog. I have a dog. All right. Just checking out. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about this 
privilege that yeah. I feel safe on somebody's yeah probably farm right. dirt road private road right pulling off on the side and I thought I thought I heard a car coming I thought oh I just tell him I had to I have a hound dog I'm wearing boots and driving a truck and and I you know am a white guy and I can get away with that yeah. I didn't have anything to get away with sure at the yeah. time but had somebody come up, I could probably twang my way out of that situation. But there's no suspicion to be put under it. Nothing casts suspicion on you. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the most immediate things I can do in that scenario is enjoy the beauty that I gleaned mm. from this privilege. Yeah. But I can enjoy it. And that is a privilege. And yeah. I'm trying to enjoy it. And I've always really loved the two lane roads. And yeah. I feel like I almost get more satisfaction out of something around a corner that I didn't expect. Absolutely. Rather than yeah. building up expectations about Stonehenge right, and right. then going there. And Stonehenge was cool. But I think I liked the Dale Earnhardt mural at the abandoned <laughs> gas station that I saw this weekend probably way more. And I, I, oddly enough, also created by the Druids. <laughs> for the same very, reasons. Very little known fact about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean even in such a small way i can acknowledge that privilege yeah. acknowledge that so much of my identity and the visuals that i love and that i've been collecting for years since i first had a point and shoot camera mm -hmm. even that little thing that i feel like a lot of folks aren't really fighting to be able to drive dirt roads and pee in yeah. the ditch but yeah. it is a privilege absolutely yeah that was even a small recognition that i made recently yeah. I hope that it left me with a, a renewed sense of trying to enjoy those things and, and soak them in a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So that is all awesome. Sure. That's not what step two is in this process. <laughs> <laughs> step two is to start brainstorming, thinking about what we can do to create that really uses that as inspiration. And one of the fun things to me about this is the idea of there's some guardrails here. We're not spending a year doing something. We don't have an unlimited budget. We're two people, right? So there are incredible limitations to this, but also that's part of the creativity. I mean, that's been part of my experience of like the world of improv, right? Is you put guardrails around it and that's where the creativity comes out. So given those limitations, but also given like you and I get energy off of this good hang of being together. So... What does that stir up for you in terms of ideas, thoughts, projects, et cetera? I want to be like a weird Georgia historian. I want to be a visual art historian. Okay. And those are my sort of recent long-term goals I've been yeah. energized around. Yeah. Also, this back road, road trip, bumper sticker, corn yeah. dog thing that like I've been cultivating my whole life knowingly and unknowingly i think that that is like a very american thing that's the america that i love and it's so weird to say america yeah. i feel like but because it's such a broad thing but what does it mean i think it means to me that sort of sense of adventure that open road that like the infrastructure the fact that there's so much more outside of a city center mm -hmm. and there's so much more outside of when we t get away from generalizing, I yeah. think when it becomes more specific, like I'm doing these artist interviews with these painters and stuff in Atlanta. And my favorite parts is when they tell very specific stories about yeah. these instances that 
resonate with them years later about being together in this large painting group shooting right, right. tennis balls covered in paint out of a tennis ball launcher. And that was a moment in time. Yeah. And celebrating those specific things and getting so specific that it becomes universal, which I exactly. think is an idea we've talked about yeah, before. We've talked about, yeah. And it's just something I think is so true. And yeah. like, you know, you and I bonded over Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, O'Connor, yeah. And if we focused on Flannery yeah. for like half an hour, chances are we would be off of Flannery and in some bigger, <laughs> weirder thing in no time. Right. But we started specifically. It's interesting to me, you talk about the South, because I think, you know, that's part of what's intriguing to me is... I mean, you've talked, you know, I talked about this before too, like the REM's first album, Murmur, cover comes out and there's no picture of the band on it. You can't understand a word that Michael Stipe is saying. And the picture is a kudzu covered railroad trellis. It's haunting. It's mysterious. It's weird. It's kind of, it's like sepia, but with instead of brown, it's blue. Right. And that thing is very invitational it's very southern but also like railroad trellises are only a couple hundred years old kudzu's only been in the south since what world war ii right fdr right so like how old is it? and yet it's evocative of a region right wow yeah that's interesting all right here's another weird thought hit me green screen is all about making invisible things work isn't a big field of kudzu just a green oh, screen man. okay all right i think we're on to something here I think kudzu is a really cool force, such a poor planned thing. It's like, right? Like it works on the same latitude across the world. It'll probably work here (laughs) to help stop erosion caused by poor farming practices. First of all, I think we've hit something with kudzu here. All right. So think about, so kudzu, it's very emblematic of the South, but it's also recent, which also says a lot about the South, right? that the things that we think are Southern aren't endemic to it by any stretch or form. Like think about Lee Greenwood's proud to be an American. All the things he's proud of are natural, naturally occurring (laughs) things. Amber waves of grain. Yeah. I mean, you cannot take credit for the Rocky mountains. I'm sorry. (laughs) So kudzu is this thing it's introduced in order to solve a problem and causes another problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it sounds like the American experiment altogether. Mm. But also, it's about these invisible things, right? So, kudzu becomes part of the backdrop of the South. It, it really is kind of invisible as you drive through. I think there's a haunting, beautiful nature to it. But it's also the invisible consequences of it, caused by the invisible consequences of, like you said, poor farming. So there's something in there about kudzu that is very materially of what we're talking about. What could we do with kudzu? There is a, a filmmaker. Her name is Katie Hinshaw. She made a cool experimental thing about kudzu we should watch. Okay. One time, my cousin, whose name is Thor Bags. Of course it is. Yeah. He pitched me an idea about a, a kudzu monster, like a horror movie where it's this insatiable, sort of a like a blob style horror movie that it just consumes and consumes and everything you throw at it, like a rusty old car or a hillside or a fence, it just consumes and adds to its amorphous sort of shape, (laughs) which is so funny. 
I think it's also yeah, it's very accurate, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought it was a good idea. Oh, that's a great idea. I think you're talking about like invisible forces. My whole young life, up into college and after college, I think more than anything, I wanted to be visible. Mm, wow. I, I wanted to be the most visible right person I could be while still being sort of safe. Like I never had a mohawk, but like I had a lot of green pants and like vintage shirts with large lapels and yellow shoes. And you know what I'm saying? I, and I wanted to be an actor, but before I even wanted to be an actor, I just wanted to be famous. <laughs> and my mom was like, that's not a good goal. Thank goodness she said that. Right. But I just, I wanted to be visible. I liked being visible. And I think that for some to be visible, so many more have to be invisible. Yeah. What I've learned about the filmmaking and then the film industry and acting as a profession on a large scale, there's like a agent whose name you've never heard. Mm -hmm. There's a publicist whose name mm -hmm. you've never heard. There's a makeup person and a, and a dietitian mm -hmm. and a, to get a film produce a corporate video a political ad yeah. there's five people's names who right. don't even get to be on the credits right who don't want to be on the credits, right right and they've chosen that on purpose right in order to increase the visibility of somebody else right it is an interesting thing to recognize invisible forces when i've spent so much time trying to be visible and yet now like we i mean you're you've switched in terms of careers like you're behind the camera you're not in front of the camera. Yeah, you had a similar switch, right? Like you sure. were in the pulpit. Yeah. Everybody's eyes are focused to you. The whole yeah. building is built to, to focus <laughs> on that point on the horizon. Yeah. Weston Manders on AIJ Cast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick word. As always, we encourage you to visit the AIJ Cast website, AIJCast.com, which is where you will find links to our artists, including their news, information, and products. We've got links to Weston and to his company, Loud South Productions, that you can find there on the website. And as a reminder, we are entering this co-creation phase here at AIJCast, and we'll be launching a fundraising drive alongside it beginning next month in November. This will include our new Patreon page, where we will offer monthly levels of support and corresponding thank you gifts. This includes exclusive access and content, AIJCast swag, and the chance to own some of the original artwork that we will create in this process. There is much more information to come about all of this, so stay tuned. Feel free to sign up for updates or go ahead and make a gift to support the work of AIJCast right there on our website, AIJCast.com. And now, back to more of our conversation with Weston Manders. There's also something about the physicality of sound, which is an invisible force, mm. but it moves in waves, and we know that it moves in waves. We can't see it. It's not on the visible spectrum, but it operates like light does. It operates like all these other forces that move in our lives that are invisible. I mean, I think that the physicality of sound is why anything with heavy bass is popular because you can feel it. I mean, I think that that's why like hip hop has always been so cool to me is because yeah. when you put it in the truck or it blasts in the speakers, it, I mean, it's in the whole room and in your body. Yeah. You start, can feel it. it. It makes your spine rattle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what if we had a piece of kudzu that grew because of the sounds it was hearing 
Ooh. take a kudzu clipping and put it in a a thing and and grow it have you seen that where they hook up like electrical nodes to like a mushroom or something no. there's music that comes out no it emits a, a wave sound waves i guess or electromagnetic waves that turn you can transfer into sound all right well okay so let's take that into the fantasy realm what if we were to take a clipping of kudzu hook up some fake electric nodes to it this is the video part and the sound that comes out of it is some weird combination of outcast and you know whatever dale earnhardt jr is listening to when he drives <laughs> himself himself <laughs> himself thank you it's a le- <laughs> A little bit of Hank Williams, a little bit of, uh, you know, I mean, again, you know, what is Southern music that isn't co-optation of something black, right? Mm-hmm. Like even Hank Williams is co-opting gospel mm-hmm. harmonies and stuff. So mm. it's also Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. What if it's an effort okay. to get back to music uh-huh. at its least gentrified form? Okay. And we have to start with the dirt. What if it's like, all right, what is Southern music? What if we ask like a hundred people for our sample size on the street at Stone Mountain and wherever in front of Wax and Facts and wherever down in, in Athens in, front, uh-huh, of, in uh-huh. front of the 40 watt and what is Southern music? And we get these, we get a sampling of what folks say, ask some scholars and then... All right, I'm going to put the guardrails up, but go. Okay. Go. And then... We have to eventually say, all right, if we're really going to get down to it, everything is built on something else and co-opted from some part, other part of the world. So we got to start back at the most basic form we can get, like air, water, and dirt. It's Georgia red clay, baby. Mm. So now we're thinking like stomp, but with uh, red cl- Georgia red clay instead of trash cans. <laughs> 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 yeah what's the what's the country where to stomp stomp's already pretty country it's pretty countrified yeah 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 but banging rocks together and yeah man that's a good idea it's the stuff that's invisible right it's the stuff that's around us it's the ground we walk on we don't see that we don't pay attention to it maybe there's a biblical something in there the like all of the ground is sinking sand type oh. idea that w- what is what is our foundation, literally? Yeah. yeah. What's the most foundational element that we can get to? Well, and like for me, it's actually, it is sand. In South Georgia, mm, it is sand. Okay. It's not clay. Yeah, red dirt is the, that's North Georgia. That's yeah. the fall line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we don't have basements. Right. Or water tables. Much right. closer. It's easier to irrigate the crops. You know, what does it sound like? It's easier to permeate. Sand's a, yeah, you got a good percussive sound with sand. You just let it. And what are those things where like they put some sort of um, granular thing on a first surface and they put sound through it and it oh yeah creates a pattern. Yeah, it's like you just put a woofer underneath it and you put a speaker underneath it. Yeah, there's something here. I like this where it, where it's this sort of because I'm I'm not so interested in why an arch is the strongest shape i'm much more interested in how the strata of all this accidental and environmental all this these layers you mentioned kind of the biblical side of things it makes me think of the dirt that you know it's the dirt of creation god's breath goes into adama and creates adam 
Jesus putting the mud, taking up dirt, spitting in it, and then rubbing it on the blind guy's eyes, and he can see. Um, That's awesome. Right? So cool. You've got Jesus talking about the soil where you plant the seeds and what grows and where it grows best. The guy who builds his house on the sands and shifting sands as opposed to the, the solid rock, right? Peter is the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. So there's all this great stuff about ground and foundation. And it's where we end up. Right? You know, we it's ashes the, to ashes, dust to dust, yeah. I mean we gotta we go in the dirt. Remember a mortal that you are dust and to dust you will return. Okay. Sometimes I really like having a very surface level knowledge of things, like <laughs> transcendentalism, for instance. <laughs> I don't know a ton about it, but like I really dig the idea that God is the fish and I am the fish, and I am God, and we, it's all the same. And so we got to treat the dirt the same way yeah, we treat God, sure, and yeah. treat the fish the same way we treat the dirt, and forgot, treat ourselves the same mm-hmm. way. You know, I don't think it conflicts with my personal theology at all. It's only informed it, and I also don't really fully understand the, the <laughs> specifics of it. But that's enough to <laughs> me. Plus, I kind of already believe that. Yeah, there's like some old joke about. Do you know it where it's like uh, the scientist, he's like, I made, I created life. Oh, you you take this mud and I created life. Take this dirt and I made life. I am God. And God said, all right, let's do a competition. And the scientist scooped up a handful of dirt and said, God said, no, get your own dirt. It's like the most basic thing, dirt. That's my dirt. So I think we're on to something with dirt. I don't know what it is yet, but it's soil and it's something... Some a audio and visual representation about dirt. The thing beneath our feet that we don't see but holds us up. I think process is one of my favorite parts of production. Okay. I'm learning that process is almost better than the product almost every time. I mm. mean, process, you're always getting to do. Mm-hmm. And then with product, you're sort of forced to just make do. Right. No matter how much you won and how many things you stayed true and achieved, at the very least, it's over. Right. Even if you get a perfect product. So in an effort to stay true to this idea of collaboration and investing in interpersonal relationships, I mean, it's possible that this process for us could involve a hundred different people. Sure. Yeah. In our little parameter what would it look like if part of the goal was to have as many fingerprints on it as possible mm. within our time constraint? Mm-hmm, I think time mm-hmm. constraints are a really good right? starting yeah, parameter. Yeah. If we, we put out a call to have someone take the dirt and, and, and put it on a canvas or to take the dirt and put it on themselves and dance and take the dirt and eat it. And we did it really fast. Hey, can you do this tonight, tomorrow? So we got, you know, it's, it's a, <laughs> life and death you know there was an urgency <laughs> to it and no hard feelings can't do it but we just keep it going and the idea is to put a little fingerprint on it mm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because i would like it if this thing was so involved that my name isn't even on it wow i think it's nice when there's such a group involved that it's not limited to any of the individual parts, but yeah. this, it's just the sum. That gets to that invisibility in a good way. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 
plus what that's what dirt is, right? It's like a sum of nutrients and decay and, and stuff. It's us and our ancestors and everybody else, yeah. I mean, you talking about putting it on canvas, that was a whole another thing I hadn't even thought of is you just take a hunk of mud and you draw with it, right? What other guardrails do you think are necessary to actually get something? I think the main thing is the time, right? Yeah. Like that's I think that's the main thing. So that it doesn't end up becoming like there's something about that trap of like Oh, but we just need like 40 more people. But yeah. that also, I mean, that really ties into you as a person. I mean, you are a person who is, you are outgoing, you seek people, but that really is you like reaching out and connecting with people. It's what saved me every time. I mean, yeah. my tendency is to be so afraid of rejection of any sort that I isolate. And the thing is, is that like, it's all these invisible forces that allow me to feel like I'm isolating mm-hmm. so then I can come out and that's mm-hmm. my parents mm-hmm. and now it's my wife, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all these other people who I haven't talked to in years and right. then pick up the phone, no problem and say, let's go to sweet Melissa's and yeah. like it just like that. I mean, yeah. those, you all have been in, invisible forces in my life and in someone else's life. And sometimes it's invisible even to us. I'm sure. I mean, I hope that I'm an invisible force in someone else's life. Yeah. But yeah, it is people. It's it's relationships that have saved me and have made me anything. I am just an amalgamation of every person I've ever seen and talked right. to that I wanted to be like. Right. And some I didn't. I picked up things I didn't want to be like. And I am those things too. I worry about saying the wrong thing and being mm-hmm. the wrong mm-hmm. thing. And I worry about having done the wrong thing and it catching up with me. And But I, I can't stop being in conversation with people and I seemingly can't stop making stuff. Right. And I think that antidote is just to not make it mine and not make it precious to me Yeah, and really try aggressively hard not to make it serve my ego. Yeah. Anytime I'm like, I would like it if this happened, I shouldn't do it probably. Or at least (laughs) at least think about it. I I would like it if this was the outcome. And I mean, it outcome wise, because process stuff, like I'm just so fueled and jazzed. Yeah. Like you've seen it. Like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Even when I'm frustrated, I love it. So this just conversation as we're talking about it, it makes me think of the equal justice initiative over in Montgomery, Alabama, which is all about raising awareness around the school to prison pipeline It's got the lynching memorial attached to it. And part of the lynching memorial, there's a whole activist side of it, which is trying to raise awareness and trying to identify the people who were lynched, the people that crowds murdered, the black folk who white folk murdered, to put a fine point on on it. And so among the things they do is they collect soil from the sites of lynchings and they have a whole ritual around gathering that soil and then bringing it to the museum in Montgomery and having a place with the person's name on it. Wow. Because there is some sense of like, even if the person's not there, some of their essence is left in that soil. And these are these invisible forces that have driven the South for so long, right? In a very, very negative way. And it's trying to glean some meaning and some give some honor to that. And I'm wondering if there's something in that that we could be an invisible part of lifting up. I think it has to be that large scale uh, that our intention has to be that. I think, I think my intention 
it's sort of in my life is to like dismantle the white column plantation yeah. oak lined yeah that were so mythologized i came up or maybe i didn't come up with it but i had this phrase in my head i want to be anti antebellum yeah like i like it because that's what after the civil war everybody was pretending to try to get yeah. back to yeah. as if it was this that was the pristine time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's the good old days that, right? those are the good old days yeah and i was privilege in another way in that I wasn't beholden to such old moneyed mm. southern traditions. Yeah. I had plenty of family around, but sure. whatever money that we had gained or whatever stolen on the backs of others, yeah. By the time I came along we weren't beholden to that anymore. Right. We didn't right. have any it of was that. Gone. I mean it was probably there and it was there, but I feel privilege and that I can be a part hopefully of anything that I say or do in, in service of the South is that it looks more interesting and more varied and more diverse every day. Yeah. And I can somehow be a part of that. Yeah. And I'm talking about the South. We're talking about the South. It's where we are now. Yeah. It's the thing that I know best because it's where I've lived. Sure. I had this other idea of like, what if it was, it was like our own little film festival. Okay. What if, we had three weeks of time. One week, each day of the week, we meet with five different artists. The next day of the week, we shoot five different things. And the next week, we show five, five different <laughs> things. Is that crazy? You know what I mean? It is like, crazy. I love it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some holy numerology that we can play right. with, right? Go back down to three. That'll be good. Right. You know, yeah, okay, okay, all okay. that. Three and yeah, I mean, I think there's also something, and this is like you know, I don't, I don't, who knows what's going to actually end up being put out into the world in terms of our conversation, right? Um, if anything, yeah, right. Don't feel obligated to put it's it just out. Gonna be by all, the way, it's just going to be found footage for later, and they're going to make a Blair Witch Project <laughs> sequel about it. But I mean, I think some of this is also like I'm hoping those are the things that can happen like down the line, like do enough of these kind of serial collaborations and then bring everybody together and let them go wild and see what happens. I mean, that could be just amazing. I've also got this weird thing that happened to me this morning. I go out to my car and there's a leaf just dangling right next to the passenger door. And I look up and it's got a spider web, of course. And it goes up to one of these big ass spiders, these Japanese spiders that are all over the place. Yeah. Those things are terrifying They're, they are and i'm looking at it and i'm like this sucker is trying to blair witch me this guy is trying to like the, he's dangling bait <laughs> probably <laughs> i mean probably what happened is he he'd stitched the web on the leaf and the leaf fell sure. and then and it just happened to be by my window but like that was some creepy stuff man i was like <laughs> that's some invisible creepy stuff right there mm. That I mean, obviously, it parallels the kudzu thing, right? This, this imported, accidentally, I mean, yeah, purposefully imported thing that doesn't have a predator to maintain its population. Yeah. Well, I know exactly. It's right outside my door. We can go film it right now. I filmed one last week. I saw about <laughs> five at Stone Mountain last time. Man, those suckers are. They're apparently they're they're not that bad for us because yeah. their bite can't break our skin, which is crazy to me. They're so big. 
and there's the webs are very strong they're beautiful yeah yeah Yeah, that's interesting i feel like so many things are little bait traps for me and (laughs) i guess it's because like i'm probably undiagnosed with some sort of attention deficit somewhere along the line and and also like i find a lot of stuff interesting and Mm -hmm. i and i love starting things so if i start a bunch of stuff i don't have to finish that much yeah of course yeah yeah so i love to start stuff well that's what this whole conversation is we haven't figured out what we're gonna do except just pitching 17 ideas great idea (laughs) i had this let's film a spider and then coat people in mud and have them dance and yeah i had a thought what was it did we talk about the the gorilla song plastic beach do you know that song? I, yeah i know i don't know that song very well but i know gorillas and i do know that the song exists and okay I, and i've seen the video instead of pummeling shells into a fine thing that we know is sand eventually we'll be pummeling plastic, plastic yeah. into sand yeah and we'll have a plastic beach also i think that that's probably true and to some extent yeah so what if when we're looking at dirt what does it look like if it's a bunch of VHS tapes smashed into small pieces? And that's the layer of strata that we're leaving right now oh, in the geological record. Yeah. And it's all bait and it's all an ensnarement of sorts <laughs> to be back with our spider friend. Just to summarize. <laughs> <laughs> is there an, can we summarize? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This whole project is going to be just the two of us along with a hundred other people. <laughs> We're going to travel all across the South, uh, meet Dale Earnhardt, uh, make music using dirt, mud, and sand, spiders, and kudzu. And plastic beaches. And plastic beaches. So I think we've got it. I think we've really narrowed down on our idea here. We're in the ballpark (laughs) for sure. Yeah. I do. I actually quite seriously think about maybe looking up the Equal Justice Initiative and see what they're up to locally. And and I'm no doubt they're also recording stuff and putting stuff out there look our collaboration could be as simple as like offering to do a pro bono video that's for them that's kind of what i was thinking yeah i mean it, it's a sounds like a really interesting initiative and a really unique way to honor folks yeah and show a reminder of an invisible horror yeah i think that's probably one of the scariest things about lynchings is that that the idea that you can commit this heinous act anywhere yeah. if you have the anger and the power and the will to do it and you don't need a officially sanctioned death right. warrant or a, a gallows. And no one will turn you in. Yeah. And it's the least invisible thing. It, it is just kind of overwhelming, right? That anytime I look back, I don't have to see all these horrors of people who look like me before me. I I see the horrors they committed, but to get to self-awareness now, it's just so much easier for me than for any person of color. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy for me to start to celebrate the South in any form, even in a new, very diverse form. Mm -hmm. Cause I can say it and it's not a traumatic word. It's not loaded with all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're the invasive species. People? Yeah. Well, we have come to no conclusions whatsoever, but that's also part of the process, maybe. When you come to a fork in the road, take Take it. it.
Um, all right. I feel good about that. It's <laughs> about as productive as any meeting I've yeah, ever right? had. Exactly. Yeah. Weston Manders on AIJCast. You can connect with him online at westonmanders.com and at loudsouthproductions.com. On our next episode, part three of our collaboration with Weston Manders as we take our sprawling ideas and begin to create together. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. As a reminder, we are launching a fundraising drive in November where we will be turning to you, as we always do, asking for your support of our work here at AIJCast. In the meantime, you can always make a tax-deductible gift to support the work of AIJCast at AIJCast.com and just click on that little gorgeous link that says support. To keep up to date with what's happening here at AIJCast, you can follow us and connect with us on social media. We are on a multitude of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Marred Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the truly weird Al Mudif who has come up with a brilliant idea to tie in branded swag with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thor bags. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, encouraging you to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I hope you'll paint your own canvas with justice and peace. peace.